0: Sell 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 sell! Bye bye bye!
1: From the AMFM 24-7 Radio Network, broadcasting from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration Award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It is November 17th, a wonderful Friday. You're going to make it that way. It's a decision, and I've decided to have a fantastic show for you Anna Gundmansen is with us. She has built an incredible product that kills stress. It's an actual product and an app. Very cool story. One time, most innovative product of the year or something like that. I can't wait for you to hear her story. And then after that, John Austin is with us to talk about non-food franchising. That's right. There are franchises other than McDonald's. And so great show Appreciate you being with us. We have a blue angel on Monday in three shows before Thanksgiving next week. So stick with us. We'll be right back to get started. Bye bye bye. We are back. And again, thank you so very much for being with us today. You know, as entrepreneurs, hell, just as people, one of the biggest problems we have is with stress. It causes so much damage to our emotions, to our physical health uh, preventing us from sleep and making us have horrible relations with our families. So I'm excited that there is a way to maybe have a little bit less stress. And I'm excited to introduce my first guest. Please welcome Anna Gunmanson. She is the CEO of Get Sensate. It is a consumer-based stress management technology company. So they produce a technology that actually helps us go and not be so damn stressful. Anna, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: Thank you so much. I'm doing great.
2: Excited is to it, be here. Is it Anna or Anna?
0: You know what? I've lived in six countries and speak four languages, so I kind of Anna, something in between. Um, I, I respond to all of the above. <laughs>
2: okay, I have a daughter named that, but she's the southern version, and so. I'll try not to get Southern on you.
0: Oh, that's fine. Anna, Anna is also perfectly fine. Why is stress so bad for us? Right. So I think we're really starting to realize now that stress isn't just how we feel, but really the effect that stress has on the body and really recognizing that there is a very direct link from uh, regular or continuous stress and physical disease. So what happens neurologically when we uh, trigger the stress response is that the body gets ready for, to fight or flight. And this is obviously from evolution and, and what we've done to, to survive as a species. So it does a lot of useful things if you're going to fight or flight and you have a short time to either survive or die uh, from an attack of a lion or something like that. But uh, what it does, it turns off all the functions in the body that are at high energy that you don't need to survive. So that includes... Digestive system, uh, reproductive system, and also uh, uh, our immune system. Very importantly, it suppresses immune system. And also prefrontal cortex, which is really our human part of the mind. That's our uh, executive functions, our problem solving, also our empathy. And it's obviously critical at these times that everyone has access to the resources to solve the problems we have in the world and, and aren't stuck in, in fight or flight. So, yeah, so there's, there's a lot that happens in the body. And if this happens to us very frequently, um, then, you know, frequently suppressing the immune system, we can all understand what that does to us. the same thing, frequently suppressing um, the, uh, the digestive system. And ultimately, over time, this uh, very often leads to physical disease.
2: All right. What are the things that cause people so much stress? What are the main stressors in our life?
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, There's a lot right now. I think we can stress about um, wars. We can stress about finances. I think there's a lot of financial pressure and stress right now. We've obviously had a time where we stressed a lot about um, the pandemic. We stress. There's so many different things we can stress about. And the difference is that we can actually stress ourselves out sitting on a perfectly safe sofa. So we're the only species that can be in a, in, a, in a comfortable, safe place and, and have, you know, a panic attack. And that's, you know, part of our ability to think in the future and the past, which is also uh, great. But uh, when it comes to worrying about things that potentially happen in the past or the future, we trigger the same response as if we are in real danger. Um, so there's an infinite number of things to stress about and the way to not have these negative uh, effects because stress is also really part of life. Uh, there's no way to live a life without stress. And we shouldn't. We should also stretch ourselves, be out of our comfort zone, um, you know, public speak. We should we should put ourselves out there because that's also part of of fulfilling our mission and who we are as humans. But what's important is that we have access to Uh, to some stress resilience that we can choose is this real danger or can I act in a different way here and neurologically what that is it means having a good vagal nerve tone so the vagus nerve a very important nerve in the body that controls the stress response it does loads of really important things in the body I'm not going to go into right now but for the purpose of this conversation good vagal nerve tone means that when there is a stress trigger the nerve kind of fire a response to, to counteract that. And we get this little space where we can think, hang on a minute, how do I want to act here? It's almost like a breath between either we decide, oh, this is something I really do need to stress or run away from or fight or flight. Um, or we can have a more conscious approach to that problem. So, so having stress resilience actually really manifests in the nervous system as having a good vagal nerve tone. Is
2: there a way to measure that or test it?
0: Yes, there are. Um, there are proxies primarily. Putting some instrument actually in on the nerve is, is quite complex and uh, <laughs> intrusive. So, uh, But the HRV, which is heart rate variability, it's a proxy that is often used for good vagal nerve tone. And so that is becoming more, more popular, I think, um, especially with the community of optimizers and biohackers and people that really want to optimize their health are very aware that um, having good vagal nerve tone, good stress resiliency, good HRV um, is important. Another way to measuring it is really how you feel. If you're constantly feeling stressed, And you can feel your heart is racing, you can feel, you know, (laughs) deer in a headlight, uh, you know, or versus you feel like I can handle this. So that's also subjective well-being and subjective sense of ability to cope is, is an extremely relevant metric.
2: And do we get better at it over time?
0: Well, yeah, well, it depends what we do, I guess. So there are so many different ways of uh, improving our stress resilience. And with so Stefan, my co-founder, who is really the genius behind the product, he's got decades of experience working in clinic with patients with very complex health conditions, often stress and trauma related, that have been to many doctors. And it really needed that sort of integrated, holistic approach to, to solve the health issues. And um, and so what he found that a lot of people struggled to apply the relaxation intervention. So if you have almost any, any health issue and you get some kind of treatment or intervention you also need to be able to relax the nervous system in order for that to be effective. Again, otherwise you constantly uh, suppress the immune system, which is, you know, extremely important to recover from pretty much anything. So he found that this, um, this type of therapy that comes out of um, actually PTSD treatment was, was really helping people that were nowhere near meditating. Meditation is a fantastic practice that we really promote, but there are also both a lot of people that are nowhere near, a place where they actually can get into a meditative state. But even myself and Stefan, there are also days or even moments in every day where we got too much in our heads, too much going on, where it would take a long time to get into a meditative state to get those benefits. And so from some of the studies that we've done, we can see that from a first sunset session, we get a significant a decrease in beta brainwaves, a significant increase in theta brainwaves. And what that indicates is that we're moving people towards a meditative state in their first sensate session. We also see lowered heart rate and other typical relaxation biomarkers. So it's really sort of just helping getting uh, in a natural way towards uh, meditative and more calm space.
2: And I should let you know that Time magazine named it one of the best innovations of 2022. Tell us about it. How does it work?
0: Yeah, how it works. So uh Sense8 is both um, so an app and, and and sound, and it's also a device. So it's like a little black pebble that you uh, place on your sternum. You can either use it with a lanyard and recline or lie down and just place it on a on, on chest, on chest bones. So that's sternum. And then uh, you put on your own headphones and put the phone on silent and start, just open the app. The the device connects when you turn it on directly with the app and start a session. So the sessions are between 10 and 30 minutes and they are um, a combination of sub audible frequencies, infrasonic frequencies uh, in the chest area. And that's harmonized with the frequencies, which uh, sounds like music that is coming through the ears and so what this is sort of mimicking is very old tradition so for thousands of years we've aimed at getting low frequency vibration into the chest area for example oming in yoga um. and if we learn how to do that properly we actually get the vibration into our chest versus up in our throat and head where we mainly speak and sing if we're not professionals and um and then obviously there's a lot of um research right now as well coming out around uh, certain uh, music and uh, proving uh, the relaxing effects but there is also a harmonization between the harmonies in the sub audible frequencies and the um and the sound which uh, which is really interesting if you know we have a study uh signal processing and things like that which i have back in the day is just obviously the effect um, that 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 frequencies in harmony have on water which we're mainly made up of but it's sort of a combination of very cutting edge technology and ancient traditions and tapping into something that the body knows how to do and recognizes and is is completely natural
2: and what is in the headphones is it the noise just uh, that yeah do it, you like the yoga noise oh, or is it talking to me, like saying, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Which, like, what's what's coming in my ears?
0: The sound, the, what's coming through the ears is pure music. Okay. So it is music. It's no words? Going, hey
2: man, everything's going to be okay, man. It's going to be okay. I promise, man. <laughs> what about that channel? Have you researched that channel? Because that soothes that a lot of people or makes like lions roar.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, there, there's, there are so many different ways. Um, we use pure sound, so no words because it's even words and voice uh, have different meaning for different people and, um, pure sound and pure frequencies. Um, and, you know, clearly there's, there's preferences when it comes to music as well. So we try to offer wider and wider, um, uh, sort of a type but it is all based on uh, on sound and music and frequencies to down regulate the nervous system so for, so for relaxation but yes what the experience is, is is hearing music and hearing purr and like i say a purr because uh, cat purr is actually also infrasonic frequency so yes. that's what you get so it's like having a purring cat um harmonizing with relaxing music um and you sort of get this immersive um, relaxing experience
2: Alright, and then the the black thing that sits on your chest, I'm looking at the website now, so the, the, the black device, listeners, is about the size of your fist, and do I actually feel it vibrate, or does it do it ultra? You do feel it. Okay, you feel yeah, it. you
0: actually do feel it, like, like a cat purr, but it's like a cat purr device for humans, so okay. yes, you will feel it like vibrating, but it's not, but there's a huge difference, and I think... We don't really think enough about how fascinating sound waves are. They're energy traveling through space, and you know we can listen. Also, just music is really fascinating. Some music make us happy. Some music make us uh, can make us cry. You know, it's just like it's it's fascinating. But if we look at what 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 sound waves do, um, you know, sound and you know, in water, we we get these patterns. And um, and so if you have just a mechanical vibration sitting on each side of Um, of of a platter of sand like nothing happens if it's not touching whereas if you put uh, uh, transducers of sound you get the sand on this plate creating all these patterns right so it is energy that travels through um, and that's why also it doesn't actually really matter if you have the uh, sensei device the pebble straight on your you don't need to have it on the skin you can have layers of clothes in between because um, sonic waves uh, travel actually through your through your body and through the tissue and it's very natural to the body
2: Okay. Talk to us about the business itself. When did you start? How did you get started? where did you get the money? Uh, you mentioned your co-founder. Talk a little bit about the technology and how it was developed. Just give us a history lesson, please, Anna.
0: Of course. So, as I mentioned, it's my co-founder, Stefan, who is the innovator behind the product, coming out of working with real people with challenging health conditions for for several decades. Uh, We got introduced by several people. I have a background as a CEO and other um, uh, executive roles in in the tech industry. I'm really passionate about technology that has massive impact um, and really positive impact on the world uh, through uh, enormously successful uh, commercial uh, commercial progress. So uh, we got, I was actually interested as well because I have a huge passion for macro trends. And when we started speaking, which was actually in 2017, where this was just an idea or start of a prototype um I was interested in both the shift which I was expecting and which was accelerated by the by the pandemic, which was the shift from just focusing on our physical health to really focusing on our emotion, nervous system, mental health. So that was already a start of a trend. So I wanted to see what the innovations were in this field. And secondly, I also see another macro trend, which is really understanding how to use frequency and vibration and waveform wave of a matter. This is very geeky, but I was very interested in seeing real-world applications uh, of that. And uh, it was through collaboration, I was originally an advisor of the business and then helped get the first product to market. First round was raised with friends and family, and, um, and then got a chance to really test out uh, how this product would perform. And that's where I was blown away. Um, I didn't expect both the, the commercial uh, metrics that we were getting, but very much the, the retention and, and how much people really found that the product worked and they used it at home. And I want to emphasize that because there are products that can have the most amazing results in a lab environment. But if people don't actually continue to use it at home, it has zero effect. Uh, an amazing device in a drawer has zero effect. So the fact that we could see that this was something that people actually continuously use because it works was, was really when I realized I had to take this very seriously. This is much more than I expected. And I took a board director role. Uh, went on to raise um, the, the the sort of pre-seed round and then uh, took formally the, the CEO role beginning of 2020, actually. And so since then, um, raised uh, also a um, yeah, so raised the pre-seed and the um, uh, safe and uh, the seed round. So um, we've been very fortunate with some fantastic venture capital firms as well as uh, very passionate private individuals that have backed the company over the last few rounds. We have also been very focused that my, my sort of strategy here was very much finding out, uh, is this able to get to and reach a mass market? Cause that's where the real impact would, will come. And um, are we able to sell and have uh, a viable business model? So it's been very much a commercial focus, and, um, and we've been able to achieve more than 100% year-on-year growth since we launched the product in 2019.
2: And talk to me about the marketing and the penetration. How many of you sold? Of course, don't tell us anything you're not allowed to. Uh, but where do I buy it? And I have not seen this on, on the marketplace before. So obviously, you're yeah. not advertising where I watch. <laughs> 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 How do we find it?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So well, we sell most of the products on our website. So that GetSensate.com, getsensat G-E-T-S-E-N-S-A-T-E dot com. And um we we do advertise both on Facebook and Instagram. We're at my Sense8, so M-Y-S-E-N-S-A-T-E. And um, we also sell through a few uh, wholesale partners. We are on Amazon in the U S and in the UK, but we're still early stage. We're still a small company. Uh, We should reach a profit uh, sometime next year. We uh, still (laughs) obviously depend on, on raising uh, capital from, uh, from investors until we get to, to, um, to a little bit more scale, but we're reasonably close. um, So that's very exciting. And, um, And yeah, we're selling actually in, in, in 50 countries. Um, our revenues last year were, uh, 5.2, 5.2 million.
2: Wow. Very impressive. Very
0: impressive. uh thank you. Yeah, no, it's 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 uh, deeply meaningful. It's it's you know it's it's definitely very <laughs> hard work to run uh, an early stage company. We got hardware and software to develop, constant fundraising. Um, it's been a volatile time as well to launch, as you can imagine, uh, the last few years. Um, and uh, but given that you know it's such a strong product, we get love letters from people every day. That. You know, have been really desperate, feel overwhelmed, um, very anxious, and, and find that uh, the product really, really helps them to get into a calm state. This huge percentage of our people, much more than we expected, actually, that are also using it to sleep very effectively. So we have a big sleep market, um, and we. The reason you haven't seen us, we haven't n- not yet had these big budgets to to really push out. So uh, we're 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 growing uh, at at a fast rate but we're still a very small company um, in comparison but hopefully hopefully we'll reach uh, reach everyone uh, within the coming two years
2: well i hope so you know you need to have like a, a a stress competition to see who's under the most stress and have like a national stress champion and then put them on this and then have them be like a national peace champion or something like that You know, because I would like to compete for most stressed. I think I could win.
0: You'd have a lot of competition. Oh, I think I could
2: win though. I really do. I think I've got all of the check marks for stress, you know, like every category, you know, you can have stress in the family category and the financial and the hair, my hair's
0: falling out, Anna, my hair is falling
2: out. My God, right Uh, there, that's
0: proof. We'll, we'll make sure you get a sunset. Um, we'll make sure we get a sunset. <laughs>
2: but yeah, so you I, have them whole, are these like family plans or how, you sell two or three or four in a pack? What's going on there? Is that for Yeah, we have an offer the
0: pets? right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, we do get, get questions about pets. We haven't tested anything on pets, uh, but um, right now, yeah, we do have some uh, really good offers actually on the on the multipacks uh, because also we're getting close to gifting season, and um, uh, you know, it's um, it's very it's a gift of calm, and we have found that uh, it was a surprise actually when we first first just tested out. I think it was for. Valentine's did it at two for one and it was extremely popular. And then we started to realize that people do come back and buy them for friends and family. So it, it tends to, it, it tends to, um, you know, it, someone buys it in the family and then someone tries it and then they keep it. <laughs> 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 then they go and buy another one. So, um, so it's both for gifting. Uh, but then yes, it's, uh, it's definitely also for, to have multiple in the family.
2: So if I get rid of my stress, I still have the underlying problem though, right?
0: So I think that when, um, the under, so what is stress really? Because there, there's, it's so individual, there are situations that would stress out one person and not stress out another person. And, and again, we cannot and should not avoid, Uh, stressful situations like sometimes we need to have very challenging conversations uh near and dear ones will get sick and will die uh we're going to have and also we we should also stretch ourselves professionally Um, and and so the, the, the question is how we're dealing with it how are we able to both have these stressful moments and then really reconnect and 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 reset and calm our nervous system so it's both that recovery that's extremely important but then also to over time increase stress resiliency so when we have the situations we can handle them we can we can instead of acting out or just reacting to a comment or you know triggering situation, we have still access to our <laughs> prefrontal cortex, to our ability to, to think. And maybe this wasn't about me. Maybe I don't need to act on this situation. Maybe this person is having a difficult day. Um, actually, right now, in this very moment, I'm okay. So it's more about having those resources to handle life. I don't think we should try to avoid all stressful situations because then we'd have to sit in a safe room and be absolutely bored and we would probably get stressed for that. So it really is about how do we develop and evolve our capacity to deal with stress and have an exciting life, but also know how to then reset uh, our nervous system and get that recharge that, uh, that we all need.
2: My very first business, Anna was summer camp for kids. And I thought that would be easy. I started that business so that I could go back to graduate school during the winter. And I I thought that would be the world's easiest business until I realized that kids were getting dropped off at airports around the world and flying there, assuming that I would pick them up and actually take care of them for the next six weeks or something like that. And we had kids, you know, we, uh, a year two or three, my insurance agent sat down and I, he asked my projected numbers and I told him and he looked up at me and he said, so that's 37 broken arms this summer. <laughs> and I was, oh oh gosh. my God. And then he was like, and three attempted suicides. And oh. then, and and then well, here's the bad one. 17 first menstrual cycles. How are you going to deal with that? What's your policy for that? <laughs> I'm like, okay, now we got some stress. Now we're talking stress here. Yep,
0: so. yeah, yeah. I couldn't imagine dealing with that. So that would be, that would be, I would need to sensate pretty much every hour if I was trying to deal with that.
2: Yeah, you'd have to walk around with it in your shirt pocket, like nonstop, yep. like a walkman. Mm-hmm.
0: Around the neck, yes.
2: Yep. Wow. wow. I got to get me one. Anna, how do we find out more? Follow online and get us one
0: absolutely so the product is called sensate s-e-n-s-a-t-e and we sell on getSensate.com, so so g-e-t-s-e-n-s-a-t-e.com you can also find us on amazon so put in sensate uh, stress device or something like that so s-e-n-s-a-t-e we're um, also on social media uh, to get my sensate so my S-E-N-S-A-T-E, I um, think uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook. And yeah, we're, uh, as I mentioned, we, we have some, some uh, offers every now and then uh, during our mailing list to get um, any discounts and, and things. And uh, yeah, really uh, looking forward to having more calm people in the world that can deal with, with life and all the issues we, we might be facing.
2: Anna, how do we, our Thanksgiving is six days away. What are you most thankful for? Not your family. No family answers.
0: No family answers. Oh, well, I mean, to, to kind of really give gratitude to something related to this topic, I am very grateful to my younger self to have invested in my personal growth, to have invested in learning about how to uh, do breathwork, do Qigong, to meditate, because I don't think I could do this job with the pressure and the stress and the constant crisis in in running an early stage company. Um, if I didn't, if I hadn't developed those tools and with those tools, I'm still using sunset so frequently just because my, my head gets so busy and then it's very hard to meditate. So uh, I think I'm I'm sharing that gratitude because I want to encourage everyone investing in ourselves is, is uh, worth every step of the journey.
2: And we'll be right back. We're going to talk about franchising in just a second. Anna, thank you so much for being with us. Great stuff.
0: Thank you so much. been a pleasure. And we'll
2: be right back. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us. Very excited to introduce another great guest and a familiar topic to the show, but one we haven't talked about in a long time, so we're due. Please welcome John Ostenstein to the show. He is the founder of Fran Bridge Consulting and author of a very well-reviewed, viewed book on that Amazon thing called non food franchising, the better path to business ownership. He is a franchise super guru, top 1% broker in the United States and a very successful author, Forbes contributor as well, and used to be president of a large franchise system himself. John, welcome. How are you doing? Jim, doing great.
1: Appreciate you having me on the show.
2: It is my pleasure. All right, so uh, non-food franchising, I'm going to say this facetiously, I didn't know there was non-food franchising. Franchising is McDonald's and Burger King and Pizza Hut and Hardee's. That's what franchising is.
1: You know, that is so often the case, and I found that fast food is synonymous with franchising, so... I I try to get out there and share that, hey, there are all these other opportunities that are resonating with entrepreneurs and investors around the country, and oftentimes people don't think of them when they think of franchising. So I'll start by saying we've got nothing against the food guys. We need them. We appreciate them. But in my humble belief, they're just easier ways to make money that require fewer employees, less operating hours, maybe less CapEx investment on the front end, uh, in higher margins. So uh, I'd say about 95% of our clients would agree with us, and they've been venturing into a number of different industries.
2: Why does this myth still persist? I mean, you you listed some really good reasons that franchising in food is not a good idea. I just don't want to get up at four in the morning to make the donuts, you know. Um, why do we still think this? Are the other franchises just not as successful? I, I don't get it.
1: Oh, they're playing successful. I think the word is starting to get out. I mean, we have never seen so much interest in these other sectors, as we are now, our our consulting firm has literally doubled over last year after going thirty percent the prior year. And I think there are a few reasons for it, Jim. I think coming out of COVID, people are questioning the path they're on, saying, "Hey, I'm t- I don't want to go back in the office. I'm tired of building someone else's empire." You know, they've had a chance to think about kind of the path they're on. Um, you know, we still see record levels of cash on the sidelines, um, and so you know, and with interest rates where they are. There aren't so many good real estate deals to be had out there. So a lot of people are turning to other alternative investments, which is how I would categorize franchising. So, you know, we're seeing just record levels of interest across different demographics all around the country. And what they're looking for are, you know, industries. uh, You know, I'd say the theme has been, you know, what's recession resistant? What's understandable? It's not going to be disrupted by A.I. anytime soon or Amazon. And yeah, this is leading to you know businesses that are, have stood the test of time, things like home and property services, uh, health and wellness. Uh, we're still doing some automotive deals, not as much as we used to, but I, I'd say people are saying, what will people spend on regardless of the economy and things like their kids, their pets, their aging parents, their homes, their health, and so categories like that, we just see a lot of attention and um, a lot of placements in.
2: All right what's Let's go through some of the the sexy ones uh, what are some of the ones that are are attracting a lot of interest right now? Give me an example
1: yeah, I'd say on the sexier side, we're seeing incredible amounts of interest in a men's health clinic that does t r t testosterone replacement therapy, which I think is uh you know kind of the theme out there right now, a lot of conversations, a lot of awareness building around that category and yeah, this is a business that has great financials that, uh, launched a few years ago, they really just started pushing the franchise side this year. And, uh, we're, we have our seventh client signing <laughs> tomorrow for that one. Um, you know, a few other examples that I was there, less. Sexy. Uh, let's talk and more
2: about that though. Uh, yeah. I thought I had low T one of my friends confided that he had low T. And so I, I get a little tireder than I want and I'm old. So I thought I better get my T tested. And uh, yeah. my T was okay, but my B12 was way down. I don't know what that means. Um, so they gave me a B12 shot. Is this a license? Is there a doctor around for the T thing? The T testing, uh, I would, I'm concerned about medical stuff. I don't know if I'm brave enough to go into the medical space.
1: No, you've got doctor affiliation. They help you you know, place those doctors with you. And it's not that you have a doctor on staff. Yeah, you know, that's operating full time, but instead they have to review the paperwork every month and sign off. So you no, know, they check all the boxes from a uh, accreditation standpoint on the back end.
2: Okay. Well that sounds like an easy business. Just giving shots to guys. Do they throw in a haircut?
1: <laughs> you know, it's pretty straightforward and they've themed, you know, the the business around, you know. It's almost like a man cave It is stuff because guys don't like going to the doctor. But with a business like this, you know, the key is to have those in those neighborhood locations because guys are coming in every week. And so it's from an owner standpoint, it's a nice recurring revenue stream. And like I said, I every group that I'm affiliated with, you know, I hear guys talking about testosterone these days. Um, So I just recently wanted to have mine tested as well. So I'd say that's an example of what we're seeing on the sexier side.
2: Did you have the test with the three blondes? Or the two blondes, John. Which te-
1: <laughs> Limited of what I can share on this then, John. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. we're both going to get in trouble, so let's stop this. Well, that's fascinating. I never would have thought of that. I haven't seen
1: that around in my neighborhood yet. Uh. It, it, it's a fragmented industry, so if you've got the opportunity to join a you know, strong group that's quickly going to become the dominant player out there, then I, I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people are jumping on board.
2: All right, give me another example
1: yeah, you know, I'd say the overall theme is non-sexy. It's you know, I joke that non-trendy is the new trendy. And so it's businesses like gutters, insulation, dumpsters, floor coatings in the property services arena. It's things in the pet space like uh, you know mobile pet grooming or dog training. We've done a ton of placements in those two categories. Um, one of the two of the hottest ones out there right now in other areas. Youth soccer, a a business that complements current soccer leagues and provides lessons and clinics and camps, uh, backed by private equity, great group behind it, lots of technology. And then one of the hottest ones this year is uh, one that's just, you know, talk about demographic support behind it, in-home senior care, which we all know is a crowded space. It's crowded for good reason because, you know, the aging demographic uh, supports it. However, you know, Oftentimes that's a large staffing model, and this is one that goes about things a little bit differently as far as how they do the setup. And it's proven to be a better mousetrap out there. We've had 12 clients already this year sign on with this one. So um, you can really see the variety out there. And again, these are in industries that oftentimes people don't have on their radar when they think of franchising.
2: Yeah, I certainly wouldn't think of an adult care franchise, So. Who are you selling to these days? Who are your clients? What's the typical franchise buyer look like?
1: Yeah, year to day, we've done placements with everyone from their 20s to their 60s. But I'd say if there was a sweet spot, it's probably you know guys that you know, I, I just turned 44, uh, quite a few uh, men and women kind of in this age bracket, maybe late 30s to early 50s, where again, they've worked hard, they've been trained, they've done a great job. But they're looking around and saying, I'm tired of working for the man. And so, um, you know, we've had placements from California to Washington to New York to Florida this year. So we really are covering the the full gamut. But I'd say, you know, some of the characteristics I look for, Jim, would be, um, you know, and, and this harkens back to my background. So I've run a franchise system before. I am a multi-brand franchisee myself. So I've, I, I'm on both been on both sides of the table. And, you know, I always said the two things that make it the most successful franchisees are one Your ability to deal with people, you know, whether it be a team, vendors, or I mean, that's kind of common sense in in most industries. But then secondly, it would be, um, you know, those that can follow a system. And so, you know, a lot of our clients are too entrepreneurial and they say, hey, you know, I would have done it this way or that way. I I think I'm the smartest guy in the room. Franchising is not for them. I'd say for the vast majority of those that are interested in business ownership, or maybe they're an existing business owner, and they want to expand their portfolio, which is very common. You know, they've been there, done that. They appreciate what franchising brings to the table. And so, you know, happy to go into kind of the way I think about that, but I'd say those are the do, people do. That- Yeah. And so, again, franchising is not right for everyone. But for a lot of people, they appreciate what it provides. You've got a playbook on day one. This is a business that has been proven successful in other markets. It's just not in your market yet. And so you're able to go in, you've got some financial data, you kind of know what to expect. It's all about executing. You're not going in questioning, is there a path to profitability? You know what it looks like day one. You've got a franchisor on that sideline that acts as a coach. The better you do, the better they do. So you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. To be cliche, um, you know, you've got other franchisees, and they're living the same thing day in day out. So you're exchanging best practices. Uh, you know, you've got uh, you know, oftentimes the ability to buy in bulk, and so you get a discount, whether it be for products or for services. Say a digital marketing firm that works through your franchise system, who can also capitalize on large data sets. Sure, marketing is more optimized out of the gate. You're not having to reinvent the wheel every time and start from scratch. Um, and then, Jim, this is a really interesting one. There's been a lot of research done, including a study a couple of years ago that showed that um, franchise businesses and in like-kind industries, the non franchise actually trade at a higher multiple on average when they go to sell for that exit. So, you know, with franchising, you're building a business that you know should be cash flow and provides you with tax benefits. But there's also that exit that you're building towards down the line as well.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure people think about that as much, but that certainly is a big advantage to uh, process. You know, John, people ask me all the time what I think about it because of my thesis. You know, I don't believe in creativity, risk, or passion when it comes to entrepreneurship, and I think that people assume that I'm going to be anti-franchise simply because. I don't know. I don't know why people assume that, but they do. And I'm very, very pro franchise because it fits all of my criteria. The risk is much lower because it comes with a book manual. The startup capital, I think, is more assured and more likely to uh, be dangerous. Uh, You're more likely to get an SBA loan, and we should maybe talk about that. Uh, so, your risk is lower there. Creativity, of course, zero creativity. You're copying a system, which I love. I love the word copy. And passion, you know, who's really going to be passionate about shelves? Um, I don't know. Are you passionate about shelves?
1: <laughs> because i in a shelving business. Yes, I am. But oh, come on. Uh, Are you really?
2: Would you rather be shelving or at Disney with your three lovely children?
1: I am passionate about my family and my family loves the shelves that are installed in our house. (laughs) (laughs) In a roundabout way, I am passionate, but I totally get what you're saying. And and I,
2: uh, yeah. Uh, be passionate about the money. That's all you need, you know, install more shelves, go more Disney.
1: So that's right. And we've just got so many client case studies of, you know, clients getting involved in unique, niches out there in the market and then building building out that business putting a good manager in place you know and sometimes they'll start with that manager day one it's what we call semi absentee maybe they want to keep their day job you know and it comes down to having a good person running the business i mean you know if you don't have a good operator then even the best franchise system is still going to be tough you know you've got to have someone that you trust that's aligned with you but but what they'll do is they'll put a good manager in place build it up and then they move on to the next thing and build that up. And they build this little portfolio of businesses that either serve to to complement each other or maybe diversify from each other. So, um, you know, I'd say probably half of our clients are getting involved with a manager run business day one, and then half are making the jump to actually run the business themselves day one. But most of those have the vision to pull themselves back over time.
2: And how many franchises do you need to own for the whole system to work? Right. If you have one, you're not going to make enough money to live. Are you, or do you, I, I've always heard that four or five is sort of a sweet spot. Is that true? Yeah. What are your thoughts on multiple location ownership?
1: Yeah, certainly. If you, if you're in the subway game, you've got to own a bunch of those. Right. But you know, every franchise system has a different return on I thought some way
2: had gone out of business. Ha
1: ha. A ha, little <laughs> joke. Right. Now they've got some issues over there, but, I. Uh, You know, I'd say your return on invested capital is different by by franchise brand. So it it, it varies. But roughly, to give you some ballpark numbers, roughly two-thirds of our clients do go the multi-territory route or multi-location. And uh, I'd say the average there is usually around three. Uh, We have some clients that'll buy as many as seven or ten out of the gate. I'd say three or four is very common. And, you know, it's not that you're opening each one day one, you know, you you just have that, you focus on one, get it in a good place, then you open that second, you kind of have path to scale over time. So multi-ownership is very, very common. And some people like the idea of going multi uh, within a single brand. Some say, hey, I'd rather start with one or two, maybe acquire, you know, adjacent franchisees over time, but then also look to build another business, Uh, again, kind of diversifying that portfolio some. So, um, yeah, I think of a good example recently, we had a real estate broker who, um, you know, had built up a team and said, hey, I want to get in the property management space. Should I go the franchising route to do that or should I go, you know, non-franchised? And uh, I introduced him to kind of the 800-pound grill out there on the franchise side. We had availability in the market and uh, he's killing it now. I think a year in, he's got over 100 homes under management and, uh, you know, very, very positive about it.
2: What about the money? How much money are the low end systems going to cost? What should I plan for? And let's go back to that SBA thing. Is it yeah. possible to get loans for these? It seems like it'd be a lot easier to me because a lot of the questions are asked or answered by the book.
1: Right. Right. So first off on the range, I, you know, there, it's a wide range, but I'd say on the lower end to your question. Um, yeah, there are a lot of franchises. When you look at the franchise fee up front, the the startup cost, and then maybe two or three months of working capital kind of built in, that's what we would call the range. Um, oftentimes, you can get in for as low as you know, maybe one hundred twenty five, one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, quite a few, like the Senior Care one that I mentioned, or the software one, both of those would fall in that bucket. Um, certainly, I'd say most of what our clients are doing these days is kind of in that two hundred ish range, give or take. And there are multiple ways to. to to fund that you know some are using cash uh many are using cash plus an sba loan what that looks like typically you're putting about fifty thousand dollars in cash wise and then taking an sba loan on the balance and you know by and large franchise friendly lenders i you know there are plenty of them out there and they do love that predictability so um even with raising rising interest rates you know we you know SBAs are now 10 or 11 percent we haven't seen a drop-off people are still using sbas um, you know, and then uh, some other avenues uh, that are very common would be, would be like the ROBS program. That's where someone can take their IRA or 401k, roll it over, you set up a C-Corp, uh, the retirement plan purchases the business. There are a few steps you have to go through, but ultimately you're able to self-direct those retirement dollars into, um, into purchasing a business. Um, so certainly you can always do portfolio loans or HELOCs as well.
2: All right. Interesting how do, why does the testosterone business cost a hundred thousand to start? That seems like that would be cheap. You just buy three or four
1: chairs <laughs> no, and it's actually a little higher than that the, You know the range on that again, building in several months of working capital and you're you're going to have a build out of a small space uh you know there are some equipment and and other needs with the business. You're all in probably around three hundred thousand, maybe as high as three fifty depending on wow. the market. yeah, but think about it you're staffing five people. And again, we're building in about three month run rate, staffing five people. And, uh, I think on average, we're also paying for marketing. And then there's just a lot of little miscellaneous costs along the way too. So, you know, we always want to go conservative into our estimates, but that one in particular is uh, between 300 and 350.
2: Okay. well, see the conservative in me would say we don't need five people the first month because we don't have any business yet. You know,
1: well, and you can play the part of probably two of those out of the gate. But again, it's what role do you want to have? Every client that we've had purchase that has purchased two or three locations. And their goal is to, to staff them up where they're not working in the business, simply on the business. And so, um, you know, that's to your earlier point where you get that critical mass that you then have a general manager that can oversee three locations. And at each location you have, you know, maybe it's, I, I believe you have to have either a nurse practitioner or maybe a PA so, someone along those lines that can administer, you know, the, the injection. Outside that's just, you know, receptionist or two. So um you you could probably get by with three, maybe four right. over time. Yeah. Yeah. Five, maybe a little high and that assumes you're working in the business.
2: What happened to McDonald's, John? I, I haven't had a good McDonald's French fry in five years. I mean they've they've gone to hell. All of them. I haven't, I mean, I'll drive out of town just to try to find a new good McDonald. They don't exist anymore. They're all bad. What the hell happened?
1: Yeah. You know, you're probably asking the wrong guy because I haven't tried McDonald's in at least five years. We here in Atlanta, we are Chick-fil-A fans and I uh, know the Kathy family really well. They're... they're live nearby, but they uh you know they just built a great thing. And so I think quality matters and you know, people have been voting with their wallets. When you look at what one Chick-fil-A does versus McDonald's or Burger King or, you know, Wendy's, I mean it's pretty eye-opening. So McDonald's, it's an interesting play. The owners behind this still do very, very well. But talk about a company that was really um I, I'd say that's one where you've got zero freedom <laughs> to do what you want as an owner. What I like about some of these that we work with is, you know, yes, you're following a system. A good franchise is still going to let you test some things and try out new things. That's that's how you bring innovation to the franchise system. Is when a franchisee says, "Hey, I've never, you know, we've never tried marketing in this channel. Let's try this." And next thing you know, it worked, and they share those best practices with others.
2: Well, I believe the conspiracy also that they. Make the ice cream machines not work on purpose. So, uh I've heard Chick-fil-A is up thirty, forty percent since the pandemic, store over store. And that it's sticking and they're having whole new problems there because the volume is so high. Um, which is a nice problem to have. So
1: Yeah. No, it's an interesting animal. My brother-in-law actually runs the Kathy the family office there and, and their investments, and they're doing, they're doing just fine. And, you uh, know, it continues to grow and resonate. And uh, we had someone in from Montana last week, and he said they recently opened their first Chick-fil-A there. But uh, they've done some. Andrew uh, is now leading them internationally as well uh, in their expansion. And, uh, you know, it's a different model, a little different type of franchise, but uh, they're doing something right.
2: You're only allowed to own one there, right? As an individual.
1: Out of the gate, over time, they have granted some the ability to own two, or or I think there are some cases of even three, but yeah, the vast majority would only be one. Yeah.
2: To me, it would be hard to buy into that because you're allowed so, I mean, they're just very tightly controlled there, but they have a line longer than any other organization from what I hear of people waiting. Buy a franchise,
1: so easier to get into Harvard than it is to purchase the Chick Fil A. So, again, it, it, they're not a case study of kind of the norm out there, but uh you know they, they've got a special sauce that's working well.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love that sauce; it's a good one. All right, John, what are the uh, surprises that people encounter two or three years in? Do, uh, is there something that they get into it and they realize they like it more than they thought, like it less than they thought it's riskier than they thought. Is there a, a two or three year
1: awakening for
2: franchisees?
1: I'd say it's a six month awakening. You know, I I think standing up a business, whether it be franchised or not franchised is a lot of work, as you certainly know. And I think there are some that get excited early on and then say, Whoa, I don't realize it's going to be this much work. So, you know, that's where we help, help our clients really plug in the right franchise systems that provide a lot of support. But I'd say if ever there is an awakening, oftentimes it is. "Hey, this is more work than I thought. But we also have a lot of clients say, but I like it. You know, I, I like it. We had a client recently. She's a doctor and she left her medical practice. She was just kind of burnt out on medicine. Her husband was a doctor, too. And she bought into an insulation business down in Florida. And this was a unique model where the franchisor was going to almost be running the business for them under a certain model. And as she got more plugged in, she said, wait a minute, I, I kind of want to run the business myself <laughs> and work with the franchisor to essentially take the reins back. And, um, yeah, she never knew that she would be passionate about you know running a business like that. So, um, yeah, everyone's situation is different, but I'd say, you know, I, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. You know, standing up for business is a lot of work.
2: So John, we have a very early Thanksgiving this year. I don't remember it ever coming as early as the mm-hmm. 23rd. So next week is Thanksgiving other than your family. And we're not allowing that answer. What are the things you're thankful for business stuff?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, business wise, I've been very blessed to, to, you know, I go about things a little bit differently. And as a result, do more volume than, than any other consultant out there. And what I do is I work with people that have raised their hand. They've heard me speak. They have read the book. They come to me and say, Hey, we're really interested. And so that's how I approach it and it's worked. And so it's just been hockey stick growth. So very thankful for the great clients I get to work with. Um, you know, some of the ideas we had in the beginning and where I get my validation, Jim is when clients come back and buy additional locations or they come back and buy additional brands or they refer their brother or sister-in-law. Um, and we just see that on a consistent basis. I'm very thankful for my clients.
2: All right. Good answer. How do we find out more, follow you online, get in touch, all that stuff. Get a copy of the book.
1: Yeah. You know, LinkedIn is where I post most of our content, but if you come out to Franbridge consulting.com, which will be in the show notes. Uh, You get a free copy of the book. Just leave your email address. I'll have my system reach out and give you some downloadable copies there. Uh, Certainly, if you want to buy the book online, all profits go to charity. And it's on all the booksellers, Amazon, of course, being one of them. Um, But it goes to support a great nonprofit that we believe in. Uh, But, yeah, if this is something that you're interested in, taking the next step in, I'd encourage you to set up a call. Again, on our website, you'll be able to do that. It's entirely free to work with us. We get funded by the brands when placements happen on the back end, very much like a real estate model. Uh, So you never pay us a nickel. It's a beautiful model.
2: That is. John, great stuff. Thanks for being with us. Congratulations on the book. It is five-star rated on Amazon and uh, hope it continues to sell. Great stuff. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jen. We are out of time. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. Be safe. Take care. Bye now.